Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's a brand new year. And what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. I hope you're well. It hasn't been a particularly good week for the Arsenal. We waited all weekend for the football. We were patient. We bided our time. We put up with this kind of enforced mini interlull type thing. And we had to play on Monday night, which should be the sole reserve of Blackburn and teams like that. Arsenal versus Manchester United shouldn't happen on a Monday night. Nevertheless... We waited and, well, didn't turn out particularly well, did it? Uh, masochists as we are, we're going to have to discuss that. I'm with me to uh, talk about that game and the big game block that perhaps we have, as well as looking ahead to the game against Stoke this weekend, a game which, of course, is full of potential controversy, uh, is Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. Internet Joe will be here. Got some politics on the show for you this week. I'm sorry to have to do that to you, but it's absolutely necessary, as you'll realize when you hear it a bit later on. Uh, And I'll give you a chance to win a Savile Rogue scarf, as well as telling you who won last week's scarf. So, Manchester United, at home, Monday night, Arsenal are top of the league, and we can go further ahead if we win. We can wipe out United's game in hand. We haven't beaten them in X amount of times. I think the last time we beat them there was that Adi Bayor time. That was at Old Trafford. We've got this bit of a hoodoo, a bit of a block going on. And you're looking for Arsenal to show that they can take this league by the scruff of the neck, that they really, really wanted. And they just couldn't do it. In part down to the way that Manchester United played, because uh, they immediately pressed us very, very high up the pitch. Both our fullbacks, Sanya and Clichy, The minute they had the ball, they were pressed as close to our box as possible. Um, But we should have done better. I think we're capable of playing a lot better than that. And it was disappointing. 
very disappointing because when they scored the goal, it was like, well, I'm not sure I can see us really scoring today. And one shot on goal or whatever it was uh, really isn't a good return from an attacking point of view. Defensively, we were all right, I suppose. Uh, Wojciech Chesney made a couple of good saves. But really, Arsenal just didn't turn up on the night. Too many disappointing performances. I'm leaving cliche out of this, but Arshavn was very disappointing. Nasri was not his usual free-flowing self, and I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying that, you know, obviously that makes a bit of a difference. Rosicki hasn't done anything really, has a lot of effort, and I do like Rosicki, but what exactly does he do or what's his role? It's not to score, it's not to defend, it's, I don't know. And then we brought on Van Persie and we brought on Fabregas and you thought that might change things a little bit, but it didn't. Theo Walcott came on and this is where I sort of differed with Arsene Wenger a little bit. I would have brought on Bentner because we weren't doing anything on the ground. United were coping with us comfortably from a passing point of view. Theo, as we know, isn't necessarily the most gifted on the ball. If you can put the ball in behind the defense and ask him to run onto it, Absolutely, that's what he's good at. But when he's got defenders in front of him and two banks of defenders, he's not the kind of tricky guy. He's got the skills who can go past somebody and he's just not that type of player. And I didn't think that was necessarily the right move. I would have put Bentner and I would have said, well, look, we're not playing very well at all and nothing we do is coming off. So why don't we just fucking lump it for once? Let's just hoof it up to the big guy. We've got Shamak up there. We've got Bentner up there. We've got Van Persie up there. Let's just fucking batter them a little bit. Go a little bit industrial if you have to. And even if it's only for 10 minutes, it's not like you're necessarily compromising all your principles. And principles schmincibles when you're losing 1-0 at Old Trafford. Bentner might not be everybody's favorite, but he's six foot three or six foot four and can win a header. And I don't know that we troubled Ferdinand or Vidic for the entire game. Theo Walcott certainly wasn't going to do it. So that's where perhaps I would have thrown Bentner on and maybe it would have made a difference. Maybe not. Probably not. But you never know. Uh, but just in general, overall, the performance wasn't particularly good. The The bright spot was the uh, Premier League debut of the goalkeeper. And there's just this thing now, isn't there, when we play Manchester United or when we play Chelsea um, that we don't necessarily expect a great deal because losing to them is always horrible and it, w- it was it was bad to lose, but I didn't feel necessarily gutted because I'm not sure I really, even though I hoped on the blog, I thought we might win, but I didn't really think we would. You just kind of get used to it, right? Which tells its own story in a way about this team and the flaws that it has or the inability to address the issues that it has. And uh, I think that sort of resignation was more disappointing than the result itself. I'm probably not explaining myself particularly well, but there you go. So um, that was that, 1-0, and that was the only game we had this week, obviously. Uh, We've got the game coming up against Stoke. And, uh, well, what can you say? I was disappointed as well that nobody gave ever a bit of a kick. Now, not that I want to injure any player, but you can send a guy flying on his snot and face first into the ground without necessarily causing him serious injury. Wasn't that United held back? Look at Ferdinand's karate kick on 
Sanya. And Sanya, in the last couple of minutes, had a really good chance just to kind of shove him to the ground or trip him. You know, he didn't even have to do anything other than tap his ankles. And Sanya ended up on the ground. And that, that for me, was tremendously disappointing. On top of the result, yeah, I know the result's the most important thing. But, you know, Evra landing on his face. Faceplant Evra. Come on. We all would have taken that as some kind of consolation uh, from Monday. But even that didn't happen. So there you go. But before we wallow in the misery and doom and talk to Gilberto Silver, here's Internet Joe. I'm Internet Joe, and here's my 30-second roundup. No football all weekend. What am I going to do? Get locked? Okay. Take loads of drugs? Okay. Have rapping sex in me hand? Okay. Still only Saturday. I'm bored. Oh, I hope we kill these. Monday, at last, here we go. Come on, Arsenal, you can do it. We just need to go. Ah, for fucking fuck's sake, Park, again. Oh, we're shy. We are fucking useless. We're winning nothing. Tony Pulis, touch my special area. We'll have more from Internet Joe on next week's Arsecast. He wasn't particularly keen this week, I have to say. Disillusioned, he said, by the whole thing. The team was getting him down. He didn't want to think about it, talk about it, or anything like that. I said, come on, come on. He was like, no, I'm just totally disillusioned with this team. They're losing at Old Trafford and same mistakes over and over again. I'm, I'm just disheartened. I'm, I can't do it. Can't take it anymore, he said. I just don't want to. I said, have you stopped giving out about it nonstop on the internet? Well, no, he said. Well, there you go then. This is the internet. Get behind the microphone, you little bastard, which he did. Still to come, your chance to win yourself a Savile Rogue scarf, the finest cashmere football scarf in the world, in history. Since the dawn of time, there hasn't been a finer scarf than this, and I'll give you the answer to uh, last week's question. And Well, there wasn't necessarily an answer, but I'll give you the winner of last week's competition. They'll win themselves a scarf. And we do have a little bit of politics, as I said. Maybe I'm treading on dangerous ground here, right? But I was approached during the week by someone who said, look, I know you've got a podcast that a certain amount of people listen to, and I would like to buy some time on your podcast. And I said to him, well, you do me an advertising, because, you know, we could work something. I don't necessarily want to go on now after this commercial break. But he said, no, no, not necessarily advertising. I have a message that I would like people to hear. So it was like a platform for this kind of advertising in a way, isn't it? He said, well, it is, but it's more infotainment. And I said, well, look, come on, I've got an audience and I respect my audience too much to sell out in that manner. And he said, we'll give you pounds. And I said, well, my audience will understand that I am a man who is faced with harsh economic realities. The times we're living in. Ireland is bankrupt. We don't even have any water from seven o'clock until seven in the morning. No word of a lie. They cut off the water because they simply can't afford to keep it going or something like that. I don't know. It might be that all the pipes have burst with the cold weather. That could be it. But I choose to blame the IMF and the EU and Fianna Fáil and Brian Cowan, all our politicians. It's probably all their fault. We just can't afford to give people water 24 hours a day. And not only that, when you don't have water, you've got to have something else. So, but my God, my audience, after all these years of me providing them with content, will understand if I have to just give a little bit of my podcast so I can have some wine. You wouldn't begrudge me wine, would you? I didn't think so. So I came to an arrangement with this guy, and coming up in a little while, uh, we'll be getting that um, political sort of message. And, of course, you're free to fast-forward through it. I wouldn't make you listen to it. 
I can't possibly do that, but there it is. It's going to be on, and uh, I just felt full disclosure was important uh, because we've we've been through a lot, you and I. This is podcast number 180. Triple 23 times. That's a lot. So here we are, and it's out in the open now, so you can hear it a bit later on. But now, with me to discuss all the bits and pieces that have gone on since the last Arscast and looking ahead to the game of the weekend is Gilberto Silver from GunnarBlog.com. Hello there. Hello there. Uh, Manchester United, away Old Trafford. It's, I don't know, 17 years since we've beaten United or Chelsea in the league or any competition for that matter. Uh, a poor performance from Arsenal. And I don't think it was a particularly good performance from United, but they, they, they played in a way which made us not play particularly well, so that might be a good performance, but I, I don't think they uh, generally played particularly well. And we know about Arsenal's attacking or defensive issues, I should say, but w- the strength, Arsenal's main strength is as an attacking force, and and for the most part, that was completely and utterly nullified on Monday night. And for me, that was the most worrying part of the performance. Um, how did you view it? Well, yeah, I mean, I was extremely disappointed. Um, it, it wasn't. A, I mean, it's a very hyped-up game, and there's a lot of chat before. A lot went on with Alex Ferguson talking about Arsene Wenger and Patrice Evra talking about Arsenal. And one sensed, you know, there was the usual build-up where we were told, you know, this team was ready, this was an opportunity for them to show they meant business. And then yet again, it, it completely failed to materialise, and it was a real anti-climax, actually. I think a lot of people were hoping for a feast of football, and it was something of a damp squib. Uh, and I think on the back of that, there came a lot of negativity, a lot of frustration. Uh, we certainly did not play well. I think as the week's gone on, um, I think I've mellowed, really, sort of in my view about, about the way that the game went for us. I, I sort of feel that... Whilst it was poor and it was disappointing, it was certainly less crushing uh, <laughs> than some of our defeats against the uh, the top two sides have been. I mean, we've been getting hammered pretty regularly by those sides, sort of uh, two or three nil, you know, uh, and sort of really been an absolute golfing class. In this instance, what was more frustrating for me was that I didn't think there was a golf at all. Uh, we had an opportunity and we just didn't capitalise on it. Does that not say something, though, in the sense that... There's almost a resignation that we're not going to get a result in in these kind of games. So you're not that you're happy uh, Mm. that we've been beaten only 1-0, but there's an element of that to it because, you know, some of the results and some of the performances that they've put in against us in in recent uh, seasons have been an awful lot better. And, you know, we can go to this uh, record that we have in these games against uh, Chelsea and Manchester United in particular, where they talk about how it's been X amount of games since we've beaten them and X amount of games since we've scored or, you know, yeah. taken the lead or anything like that. So is there, you know, there is an issue, uh, clearly. Is it a, an issue of quality? Is it a mental block? Or is it just one of those runs that we're on that, you know, uh, I think for years and years and years we didn't beat Liverpool? So I, you know, I remember that quite distinctly. We didn't beat them, and then once we got over that, we beat them quite regularly. So, is it just one of those things that we're going to have to get over in time without it being a huge, big issue? Well, I think, I think I said on the blog, we we just need we just need to win one of these games. And I know it, it, it seems uh, 
I mean, at the moment, it's real become commonplace that we don't, that we lose them. Uh, but we just need to win, and a draw w- won't be good enough. Like we've got Chelsea around the corner, and eventually we have to sort of heft this boulder over, and we have to turn it over. And 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 it's I don't know how it's going to happen. It might take uh, something fortunate. It might take uh, you know an opposition own goal. It might take a, a lucky refereeing decision because the players don't seem to have the conviction that they can go out there and win. What they need, uh, it's it's a microcosm of the greater problem with the team. A lot of people say, well, you know, they need to win one trophy and then that will imbue them with a mentality. I don't know how true that is, but I do feel in this case that once we can sort of uh, turn over that leaf and beat Manchester United or Chelsea, then of course it will help us go on to do the same, you know, in the future. Uh, The problem at the moment is that when you don't have the belief that you can do it, it's the first one that's so difficult and uh, I think you know we've got a great opportunity in a fortnight's time to put that right uh, if I the problem is that I'm not you know I don't share I don't have necessarily have the confidence that we will yes well I mean there's the thing I mean I, I have to say I was sort of confident that we could get something out of the game on Monday I wasn't necessarily expecting a win mm. but I thought we would get something out of it but really once they went a goal ahead it was it was very difficult to see us getting anything back. And as I said, from yeah. an attacking point of view, we, we didn't do it. The Chelsea game is going to be huge, though, isn't it? Because uh, a lot of the pressure is, I suppose, um, fan-created. Or, you know, I don't mean created by fans or created by the media. But it, it's it's a story as long as it's a story, if you get what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so to sort of banish some demons, in a way, it, it'd be good to, to get a result against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, that will certainly... I mean, it won't redress the statistics of the last few years at all, uh, just the one victory. But I think, like I say, if we break the back of it, uh, it at least shows a sign of progress. Uh, And as well, you know, the pressure mounts and mounts on us because not only are we uh, at home, uh, not only are we coming off the back of this defeat against Manchester United, but we're facing a Chelsea team uh, just after Christmas who are in a really poor run of form. And so there will be almost an expectancy that we go and win that game. Uh, and that will be a sort of a, an unusual thing for this team. It'll be interesting to see how they cope with it. I think being at home and with the onus on them to go forward, uh, you know, that should suit them. They found themselves in that position uh, against Manchester United, and I think against Manchester United they came up against a better defence than they will than against Chelsea. I think United got the best defence in the league, and we couldn't get anything past them. Against Chelsea, you can see us creating opportunities. I mean, if we are serious about mounting a title challenge, you know, you have to show you're at least the equal of these teams. Uh, And in order to do that, we're going to need to beat Chelsea and probably United when they come back to the Emirates. All right. Well, we'll uh, deal with those in due course. The one positive, I think, for me on Monday night was uh, Wojciech Czesny. Playing because Fabianski has a bit of a hip injury, I don't think there's anything more to it than that. You know, I don't think Arsene Wenger, even uh, with as much faith as he has in his young players, is going to throw a goalkeeper in for his Premier League debut at Old Trafford unless he has to. Uh, But he was, distribution aside, and I know that was an issue that uh, a lot of people picked up on, uh, it was a very, very confident performance from a guy who sort of exudes... uh, the aura of goalkeeper, whereas maybe uh, Fabianski and, and Almunia haven't had that in recent seasons. I think so. I mean, he's clearly a huge talent. Uh, and, you know, a guy's so confident that the next day he was able to joke about his distribution on Twitter. Um, I mean, the, the kicking was a bit erratic, but I sort of think, you know, we were able to cope with that and the outfield players are experienced enough to deal with it. Uh, his handling was superb. He made a couple of really big saves. I don't believe for a second like you that uh, I agree with you. I don't think Fabianski was dropped. He clearly had an injury problem. 
um, the story about Manuel Almunia is a, a little foggier, perhaps. Uh, but I think that having Chesney come in, show what he can do, was a really positive thing. Um, I don't know the situation with Fabianski as regards the weekend. I think if he's fit and available, he'll be back in. Because as much as I think Chesney uh, is a super prospect, I'm not sure that uh, the team you'd want to be making your home debut against as physical and difficult to handle as Stoke. Yeah, well, that, I, I, in a way, I kind of disagree with you here a little bit because I think Stoke have had a bit of experience of Fabianski and they know that he's a little bit suspect. I don't think, you know, that, that you can actually bully Chesney in the way that you could bully Fabianski. And they've done it in the past to Fabianski. I think Chesney would, would stand up to them a bit better. So I, I'm a little bit um, not dubious about the injury because I do think, you know, it was an injury on, on, uh, on Monday night. But I just wonder if he might look at the the character of the two goalkeepers and decide that perhaps despite his uh, rawness and his his uh, his lack of games that he might just be the better goalkeeper to choose for this particular game maybe i mean i, I- I think that would be a really fascinating thing to do. And I think Arsenal's always been a man who said that you have your number one and you stick with your number one. You, you don't pick and choose your goalkeepers according to games. And at the moment, his number one seems to be Fabianski. I agree that Fabianski, you know, Stoke will target him. Uh, but I think if Chesney plays, Stoke will target him as well. But it, like I say, he's got the physicality to, to cope with it. Um, he's a big guy. He's a bigger guy than Fabianski. Mm. Uh, if he plays, then I think... You know, I mean, it's a really big call. And if he does, and if Fabianski is fit and he selects Chesney ahead, for me, that doesn't send out a great message about Fabianski's future. Um, and if Chesney does well in that game, then, you know, who's to say that he can't stake, uh, stake a claim to be number one? Hmm. It will be interesting to see how that goes, all right. So uh, we'll, we'll wait and see uh, what happens tomorrow. Um, Stoke, of course, we know as opponents uh, play a physical game, a long ball game. That's not to say they don't have talent... Uh, on the ground because they've got players who can who can uh, who can whip in good set pieces and good crosses mm-hmm. in Pennant and Etherington and they've got big strikers uh, Kenwin Jones we know is a handful when he feels like it a bit a bit like Annie Bayor in that regard yeah. so we know that we know the, uh, the 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 threat that they pose but the, obviously the big issue is the fact that Ryan Shawcross is going to face Arsenal for the first time since the Aaron Ramsey incident. Now, Arsene Wenger has spoken about how it's happened in the past and the only person who can forgive Shawcross is Aaron Ramsey, and he's called on Arsenal fans to respect our opponents the way we do with every game, right? So he's saying all the things that you would expect a manager to say in that situation because I think, you know, it's right that you don't necessarily uh, inflame it from a managerial point of view, but from a fan's perspective, there's an awful lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Hatred for, <laughs> for Stoke, uh, for their fans, um, yeah. for Tony Pulis, and for Ryan Shawcross, and the sort of the, the culture of excuse making that existed after the incident that sought to portray Shawcross as a victim. So what's interesting, I just want to maybe draw a parallel, and I'm not trying to compare exactly these two incidents, but we had Arsa, uh, Alex Ferguson talking about um, Manchester United fans not singing that particular song at, at Arsene Wenger, and at one point it erupted, I remember hearing it during, during the game. Yeah, I did a couple and, of times. And Arsene Wenger is looking for Arsenal fans to respect our opponents and, and Ryan Shawcross, but we know that fans are going to do what they're going to do and 
and they're going to react to the situation, they're going to react to the player, they're going to react to the injustice, I suppose, that a lot of us still feel uh, about what Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Happened to uh, to Aaron Ramsey. So it's, it's curious. I mean, how do you see it going from, from a fan's perspective and the, and the sort of welcome that Stoke are going to get? Because this enmity is, has grown between the two teams over the last few months. Well, I, th- I think it certainly will be a hostile reception. Uh, and if anything, I just hope that we can channel that to sort of as much get behind the team as, as, as something to attack Stoke, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I yeah, do yeah, think yeah. that, the uh, uh, you know, I think it's important that... Um, Aaron Ramsey's name is sung with a sort of positive emotion as much as Ryan Shawcross is booed or what have you. Um, I sort of think that uh, it's interesting the comparison that you make. I mean, in the case of Ferguson uh, asking for Wenger to you know, not be subjected to those chants, um, the first thing to say is that Wenger is innocent in that case. You know, mm. he's done nothing wrong. In this case, uh, Arsene's asked for respect for Ryan Shawcross, much as he asked for respect for Emmanuel Adebayo, or much as he asked for respect for Ashley Cole before they come to visit. Uh, he's playing his role as a uh, an ambassador for the club, an ambassador <laughs> for football. He, I don't think he's naive enough to think for a second that, that he has the control over fans uh, that that quote suggests. I don't think he thinks that uh, just because he asked for respect means that, you know, Ashley Cole won't get a, a bit of stick and nor Adebayo and certainly nor Ryan Shawcross. And in this instance, Ryan Shawcross has done something wrong. You know, he, he, yeah, yeah. he's an absolutely appalling tackle. I mean, it's a, it's a different case in that respect. And I do think, of course, the fans will want to show their displeasure. Um, the only thing I would say is that um, 
you know, I think in these cases, uh, you have to be, you have to retain uh, high ground. What's not right is that the Arsenal players, you know, go in with, and I'm sure they won't, you know, tackles of appropriate, uh, sort of equal measure on Shawcross himself. What we need to do is teach them a footballing lesson. We need to do our talking on the pitch, hammer Shawcross, you know, make sure that, you know, we put three or four or five goals past Stoke. That's the greatest insult that we can give him, I think, uh, to show up his limitations as a footballer um, and, you know, leave, uh, leave, leave some of the bigger stuff uh, to other powers. All right, yeah, I'd fully agree with that, actually, that the... Uh as much as it will be entertaining to engage in the banter and all that kind of stuff, uh, the important thing is that we that we win the game because yeah, and we mustn't let it distract us. You know, we mustn't yeah. let it become. It'd be horrible if it became just a niggly game in which you know uh, Van Persie got wound up and kicked out of the guy and got sent off, and it cost us two points. You know, we've really, really having lost United. The three points is what matters here, and uh, nothing will hurt Shawcross more than a significant, you know, a significant defeat. It'd be fantastic if we could really go out there and batter them, and I, I sincerely hope we do. Lots of nutmegs on Shawcross in the five. five yeah, seven. why not? Well, I mean, the, the thing as well is that this crazy season means that we can go top of the league again. That's absurd. <laughs> it is strange, but we can go top of the league if we beat them. The game itself, um, do you envisage many changes? Because maybe um, we might need to uh, pay a little more attention to the physical side of Stoke's game and perhaps the defensive side of, of our game. Uh, there's a doubt over Nicholas Bentner because his uh, his partner is about to have a baby, so he might miss the game. And he's a guy that you know could have provided a little bit more uh, physical presence. Um, yeah, that'd be a blow. Yeah. So um, do, you, do you see him changing the team around much? Because there were, regardless of um, how we view Monday night in general, there were... Uh, some specifically poor performances from from certain players, and sure. you know, there's no point in me naming names because everyone knows who. But you know, he's got Walcott coming back, he's got Van Persie coming back. Um, he's going to change it around a little bit, I think. Yeah, I mean, there, there won't be a change at left back, of course, because Kieran Gibbs uh, is out injured, and I think that will that will uh, frustrate some people. Kieran Gibbs, most of all, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Aaron Juru come in at the back. Uh, he was very, very good as a substitute. Uh, was it against Fulham? Mm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and particularly aerially, which showed real progress from Juru. Uh, for me, he'd never been that strong in the air um, as, a, as a teenager. He'd always been more of a sort of technical player, but he was really fantastic in that match. I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in, possibly for Koscielny. Uh Not that Koscielny's done anything wrong, I just think that Juru might be more suited to, to this style of game. Um, if Bentner is available... I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, both him and Chamak start, possibly Bentner in one of the wide positions, uh, just to give us a little bit more physicality. In the midfield, uh, I mean, it depends. Uh, Sesk presumably uh, will be ready to start. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Song, you would imagine, would be an automatic pick. Uh, and then maybe Jack Wilshire might come out. I wouldn't be that shocked if Wilshire did come out uh, and maybe Danielson got a start in this game. Um, I think Wilsh is as robust as anybody, but uh, Wenger might prefer some fresh legs in there. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see the likes of Oshavin drop out, uh, maybe a, a Walcott or a Bentner come in instead. All right, OK. Uh, Gilberto Silva from Gunner Blog, we better leave it there. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks very much indeed to Gilberto Silva. You can find him at GunnarBlog.com, of course, and on Twitter, Twitter.com forward slash GunnarBlog. Now, before we look ahead with some team news ahead of the Stoke game and some thoughts on that, as well as the whole Savile Rogue thing going on, uh, here's this. There now follows a party political broadcast on behalf of the Shawcross National Front. 
paid for by the friends of Shawcross. Hello, this Shawcross. Shawcross understand many Arsenal fan not like Shawcross. This makes Shawcross sad. Because Shawcross more than footballer who smash leg. Shawcross complicated, sensitive, talented human being. Arsenal fan must understand Shawcross outside football to know real Shawcross. For example, Shawcross writer. It was best of time. It was burst of time. It was... Hmm. It was... Uh, it was monkey playing polo with bison wearing funny hat. <laughs> oh, go and sell so many copies. <laughs> Shawcross composer who make beautiful music. Shawcross actor Toby or not Toby that is question also question who is this Toby but Shawcross talent not just limit to arts Shawcross like to help people Shawcross volunteer hello Samaritans Shawcross speak Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shawcross see. Shawcross understand. Very difficult problem. I can fit three finger in my bottom. Can you? Hello? And Shawcross also... Inspirational leader in dressing room. Here, Captain, are you going to do the team talk or what? Shut up, Whelan. Shaw cross, watch Barney. Lads, I'm telling you, he's fucking mental. So, as can see, Shawcross not just brainless ogre that kill every good thing. Look, Shawcross have puppy. Come here, puppy. No, no, no. Yeah, Shawcross love puppy. You can contact the Shawcross National Front by visiting our website, www.selffingeringcant.com. Thank you indeed for your attention during that party political broadcast. You can make of it what you will. Now, before we look ahead to the Stoke game and Shawcross and Pubis with his hat and everything like that, it's time for the Savile Rogue Scarf competition. And last week I asked you which Manchester United player you hated 
the most. Now, there is no right or wrong answer to this because you're perfectly entitled to hate whichever player you want. Lots of uh, Patrice Evra, obviously, given the comments that he made. Plenty of Roy Keane. Not as many Teddy Sheringhams as I expected. Uh, a lot of uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy, too. A lot of Gary Neville and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out, because I, I couldn't necessarily go through them and decide which one was the best reason for hitting, because we all have our own reasons, the random number generator did its thing, and the winner is Darren Morrison, who says the correct and only answer is Gary Neville. Gary Neville is indeed the prick to which all other pricks must be compared. And he gave... 10 reasons why Gary Neville is the biggest prick of all time. Number one, he's fuck ugly. Number two, he's the mouthiest mouthpiece ever to talk bollocks every time he opens his lipless, grotesque excuse for a gob. Number three, he's a shite player who thinks he's Cafu. Well, I shouldn't necessarily sure he thinks he's Cafu because he would probably be dancing on the beach in Rio. Maybe he does that in his off time. Number four, he's always had a smugness that I can't put my finger on, but he makes me sick to the pit of my stomach, even smug to his own brother. And he gives a quote from Gary Neville which says, My amazing skills piss all over your cack. I don't know what that is, but it makes me disgusted to even think about Gary Neville pissing all over uh, Phil Neville's cack. I don't even know what Phil Neville's cack is. Five, he's Mr. Man United. Six, he has the shittest facial hair, similar to a 14-year-old knacker. Absolutely no disputing that. Seven, he's called Gary. Well, a lot of people call Gary and... There's a snail called Gary as well, who's, who's quite good. So we can't necessarily hold that against him. Uh, eight, he's a vile cunt of such magnitude that when he was picked to show Aaron Ramsey around Old Trafford, Ramsey's mind was made up to come to Arsenal. This is very true. Uh, nine, he's on record as saying he hates Arsenal. Uh, okay. And number ten, he's a window-licking mong that even his teammates despise. Ten very good reasons indeed. And Darren, well done to you. You've won yourself a Savile Rogue scarf. I'll be in touch to get your address and uh, we'll get it sent out to you. Hopefully it will arrive uh, before Christmas. Now, to win yourself a Savile Rogue scarf, this time I just want you to answer this very, very simple question. Ryan Shawcross is A, a splendid example to young footballers the world over. B, horribly misunderstood and overly persecuted. Or C, a self-fingering cunt. Answers, please, to competition at arseblog.com. That's competition at arseblog.com. And if, at this stage, you haven't got all your Christmas shopping done and you need to get something for somebody, go to savile-rogue.com and uh, choose a red and white cashmere football scarf. And if you use the code arseblog at checkout, you will get yourself 10% off. And who can argue with that? So that's 10% off at Savile-Rogue.com. And they do have the best scarves. I'll give you the answer uh, to the scarf question on next week's Arscast, which is going to be, I suppose, a Christmas Eve Arscast, isn't it? Actually, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure it's going to be on Christmas Eve because next week there's uh, all kinds of things going on. So it might be a different day, but I'll keep you up to date. There will, however, definitely uh, be an Arscast. And it may well have a Christmas theme. Who knows? So Stoke tomorrow... And it's, um, well, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I go along entirely with Gilberto Silver when he says that the best way to hurt Stoke is to do it on the pitch. Make sure we get three points. The season being what it is, we can go back to the top of the table. I know, bizarre, and there's games in hand, but nevertheless, we've got that chance to go back to the top of the table. And, and hurting them on the pitch is the best way to hurt them. 
But this is the first time since the uh, Ramsey incident that we played Stoke and Shawcross arrives and Tony Pubis is talking about getting him extra protection to come back. And Stoke, well, what can you say? They're cunts. That's pretty much what you can say. They've tried to portray Shawcross as a victim and have been aided and abetted by certain sections of the media ever since this Ramsey tackle happened. And ever since it happened, we've had that whole, well, Arsene Wenger wants to ban tackling thing going on, which is tremendously frustrating because he has never, ever, ever said anything of the sort. It's just a lazy stick for journalists to pick up every now and again and regurgitate. And it's strange that you can complain about a player breaking your player's leg in two. So it's hanging at a weird angle. It's strange that you can complain about that and have people say, well, listen to him complaining. What's he on about? Fuck's sake. That to me is, is weird. That the focus isn't on, number one, the reckless tackling. Number two, the ridiculous disciplinary procedures that exist in the English game where a guy can break another guy's leg and be out of uh, action for only three games. What does he get? A punishment? No, he gets a rest. That's what he gets. Whereas his opponent, guy who's taken off, sucking oxygen, while Stoke City fans give him the finger and sing songs about him, he gets eight months, nine months out of the game. So there. So that, you know, doesn't necessarily tally with me. So I agree. We've got to do it on the pitch, and that has got to be the focus. And Arson has called for respect. And and the point I was sort of trying to make earlier on, and uh, I'm not sure I necessarily made it very well with Gilberto Silver, uh, by making not necessarily a comparison, but just looking at the two incidents between uh, Alex Ferguson and uh, Arsene Wenger, um, is that fans will do what they want, essentially. Because we can all have whatever respect we have for Arsene Wenger, but he says we've got to respect our opponents. Didn't necessarily name Ryan Shawcross, but did the managerial thing and said, look, you know, he won't need extra protection. We'll respect our opponents the same way we respect every opponent. Trying to play it down, absolutely. But Arsenal fans at the game tomorrow will let Ryan Shawcross know what they think about him. And what they think about him is that he's a big, huge Neanderthal clogging cunt. And I think that's a part of it. It, it. it plays a part in the way the game goes and the way that the crowd reacts because we have... Maybe we all have our issues with the team, right? And the way the team plays and the flaws that we might have. But to become united and to become one voice against, whether it's Shawcross or Stoke or Tony Pubis, you know, that that's important as well because it, it gets the team up. We're against the opposition. We're behind the team as one behind the team. Will it influence the referee? Who knows? Will it remind the Arsenal players that we hate them because they broke one of their teammates' legs in two? Probably. We saw the reaction of the team when that happened. It was fantastic. We got the two goals. We won the game. We didn't crumble. And maybe what's been missing a bit from Arsenal this season is that same kind of spirit. That if we showed the same spirit all season that we showed after that horrendous injury uh, against Stoke uh, earlier in the year, 
Maybe we wouldn't have lost some of the games we've lost. And maybe we need to rediscover that. And maybe the crowd need to remind the team that that's what they need to rediscover. And if Ryan Shawcross is the pantomime villain, then so be it. A villain sometimes is necessary. And remember that they, as a club, have been total and utter cunts. Complaining to the FA when Arsene Wenger mentioned the fact that Shawcross or Huth was all over the uh, the Spurs goalie, and they're writing to the FA and demanding this and demanding that. I mean, what a pack of crying, whining cunts. Seriously. That they feel that because, in their view, Shawcross did nothing wrong, that all this ire that's poured upon them is, is wrong in some way. But this is a chance for Arsenal fans to remind them that we haven't forgotten. And in my head, maybe it means a little bit more this game than the Manchester United game did. I think I would hate to lose this more than I didn't like losing the United game, if that makes sense. I know a game against United should be more important, but fuck me, I hate Stoke. And I want to win this tomorrow. Not just because we can go top of the league, that's the most important thing, absolutely. Not just because we need to react after the Manchester United game. Because that was so disappointing. Not just because if we want to keep in this title race, we need three points. But football is about more than facts and stats. It's about heart and brain and what you think and how you feel. And I feel like I would like to set fire to every single one of them. Irrational? Yes, of course. But that's what being a football fan kind of is at times. Ryan Shawcross, captain of Stoke City, figurehead, total cunt, cunt of all cunts, and let's fucking cunt him right in his cunt tomorrow. And that's about as much as I got to say on it. I think I've probably said enough. Um, So we'll leave it there. Talk to you on another Arscast next week at some stage. I'm not sure when. It might be Wednesday or Thursday. I'll uh, keep you up to date on the blog, on which I'll talk to you. So until then, take it easy. If you're there tomorrow, remember, they're cunts. And he's a big fucking huge cunt. Just don't let them away with it. Um, I'll talk to you on the blog as well. Um, I'm going now. I'm going to have some calming wine. So uh, until the next time, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. The guy walked into the office, stupid baseball cap on his head, all four foot two of him. When I'm reading the gossip pages, Mr. I said, Scarlett Johansson single. I can get her address in two minutes. You better have a goddamn good reason for coming in here. I do, he said. What's that, I said. He's missing. Who's missing? Lenny, he said. 
Who the hell is Lenny and why should I care? He's our captain, he said. They told us we wouldn't need extra protection. But when we went to get back on the bus, there was no Lenny. We need him, and I need you to find him. Mister, I said, what's in it for me? He looked at me a second and said, I can get you a specially designed soccer shirt with a towel on the inside. You can throw the ball real far. Mister, I said, you come in here offering me a towel and I'm thinking about Scarlett Johansson? Actually, I said, uh, that could come in handy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 